I'm Arlene Limas, the CEO for PAVE Prevention, Proactive Anti-Violence Education and Consulting, a consulting firm that hopes to improve um, culture and workplaces, make them safer, uh, and reduce violence within the workplace. Um, this is our podcast, Disrupting the Dominoes, and this is the cool part of my job. I get to talk to um, movers and shakers in the violence prevention movement, and I have quite the mover and quite the shaker, uh, my good friend, Julie Harmon, and um, she has definitely spent a long, long time disrupting the dominoes of violence, and we're very uh, happy to have her here. And so what is going on, my friend? What are you doing? What are you up to? Thanks, Arlene. We're doing a lot of things. Um, we are looking at violence from so many different perspectives. Workplace, from racial trauma, for people with different abilities, neurodivergence, plus our bread and butter, which is let's prevent it before it starts. So young people and people in the workplace, and we have a special population in Columbus, which is seniors, wow. that we also work with. So we... We send our stuff out as often and as many places as we can. Wow, that's incredible. And just for our viewers and our listeners, how long have, uh, have you been doing the things you do in Ohio? We've been doing Ohio. Impact Ohio has been around for 29 years. Wow. We, Congratulations. We didn't start doing all of these things, right, of course. Right. We grew into it as we grew our team and our expertise and science changed and information came and so it's constantly evolving right and even before that before it it came under the umbrella of empowerment self-defense you were a martial artist uh, and that's where we first met that is. and our paths crossed in the 80s oh wow <laughs> but yeah i'm yeah. not that old really either I, am i i started teaching when i was 12 right <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I have like several nerdy questions okay. that I'm going to share with you. Um, as you know, pay prevention is hoping to reduce workplace violence uh, and also create a culture where there's better productivity, less turnover, uh, less absenteeism, and just a healthier, a healthier workplace where people are happier and more productive. So our questions are going to be a little geared around that, but sure. I know that you have some great ideas and some opinions in this area. One or two, just okay. maybe one or two. <laughs> okay, so what does a safe workplace look like to you? I think that's such a great question and one that my larger agency is also struggling with or at least wrestling with. Um, what is a safe workplace in terms of people's physical um, safety, right. but more so their emotional safety, and more so their ability to be seen and heard and listened to. And I think that that piece is something we have not really addressed in terms of many, a lot of programs that look at workplace violence. Right. We do have a pretty decent idea of like when violence comes to work, what do we do for domestic violence situations, or what do we do in terms of situations where somebody isn't there's a harasser or they're being followed to work. We've, right. as a culture, we've kind of gotten that piece and here's what we do, but we don't generalize that to what if my coworker is the one that is harassing me or what if right. my supervisor is the one who is not respecting my boundaries or right. touching me inappropriately. Right, right, yeah. 
and just the little microaggressions that people deal with that can derail your your day. Awful. Yeah. Um, so, and if you live with a series of microaggressions in the workplace over time, people stop coming to work. They break you down. They, they you down. don't want to do what they do. They don't volunteer for anything extra. They lose energy and they eventually quit. Right. Exactly. You know, I, I, it, it sounds. You know, maybe it sounds dramatic to people, but I believe violence in all its forms, from microaggression to full-blown event, they're robbing us as a society. It's robbing us from our being our best self, our best mom, our best dad, our best boss, our best employee. That's what I feel, again, from microaggression to full-blown event, it's robbing us, and we need to address it. Well, we spend more time at work than we do anyplace else. Yes. So why shouldn't work be safe? Yes. Or exactly. safer? Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so my second question, has how has your life changed since or your path changed since you've been involved with the violence prevention movement? I'm trying to remember my life when I was not involved in the violence prevention movement in some way. Right. Um I'm a child of the 70s, so we were activists, we were feminists, we pursued the first rape crisis center wow. with a good friend of yours, Sonny Graff, in yes. Columbus, Ohio, yes. um, Women Against Rape. So there's always been that piece that was an activist. I never thought it would be my job or my right, profession. Right, right. Um, and wow. it turned into that, and, you know... What do you do for a living? I went to graduate school. I have a PhD. I'm a psychologist. I'm an organizational development consultant. I'm a third-degree black belt. And I teach self-defense. Right. So it's a really weird thing to it's say. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I to mean, you that. come with such a unique skill set. Your, your skill set is just incredible uh, on the value that you bring to our movement. So it's thank fun. you. It's fun. It's really fun. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay, my next question. Do you see a benefit? of human safety skills being pulled into employee or workplace training. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you have to start at onboarding and you have to start 90 days after right. and you have to have that be part of supervision and ongoing continuous employee improvement. Right. And some of the skills are group skills and some of the skills are individual skills. Right. Right. And they're skills like your opinion matters. Um, and depending on what age people are when they enter the workplace and how they navigate feeling like they can speak up, right? Um, it, it's so important. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the things that Tave is uniquely positioned um, to offer is, and I also we're calling like a safety check, uh -huh. a safety checkup, where what is what are the processes when something happens? What is how is it handled? You know, and again, we're not pointing fingers or saying. Or is it right. handled? Right. You know, but these are you know through our other clients. This is what we've come up as a best with a best practice for sure. What do you think? You know, and kind of presenting it on the table like that. What's working for you? What's not working for you? And you know, let's add what you know what's not working. Let's correct what's not working, and let's let me share what's working with everybody, all the rest of our clients. You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that if I can. Sure. I think that we have to start sooner than that. Mm, okay. Um, with 
that everybody is going to make mistakes. Yes. Everybody is inadvertently going to do a microaggression or right. act badly. Depending on the day, or, right? Or, yeah, or, or right. something. So well, let's normalize mistake. And Very then, good point. then let's talk about intention. Right. Because until somebody gives you feedback that that was something that you shouldn't have said, you don't know it. Yes. And so I think right now the way workplace violence or miscues or behaviors are handled are very quiet. It has to be very personal. You're going to go to HR and then HR is going to pull you aside and they're going to talk to you and then you're going to have this yeah. and you might. And it, it doesn't normalize the fact that there's right. good point. stuff happening. Right. Yeah, good point. And when it's a major event, and I'm going to use the Chicago Blackhawks as an example. Okay. Right? We just had, they just had a player come forward that during their Stanley Cup run, mm -hmm. a coach took advantage of one of the players and sexually assaulted them. And because they were in the middle of the Stanley Cup run, it was kind of like, hey, let's not worry about it now, you're okay. And it literally was a horrific experience in addition to the initial event for this young player. Yeah, um, to keep that quiet and yeah. to sit on that. And then feel like what just happened to me meant nothing. Right, because the no cup is cares. more important right. than me as a person. Right. So maybe if in this process there were other people he could have gone to report to. Right. The reporting was very limited. The pipeline was very closed on who he could talk to and who he could share his experience with. Uh, and you know, those are the things that I want to take a look at. Because I know. think the violence in situations like that is about is power and control. Yes. Yes. I mean, that is, we don't talk about that. We think about hitting, slapping, taking advantage right. of it. But the power and control that authority has and influences over players, subordinates, workers, yes. line workers, hourly workers versus salary workers, Athlete, all of coach, those things, right, and right. coach, yeah. Yeah. is extremely off-kilter. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So our next question is, do you have an experience where these skills could have been used or a success story where they were used? Two, sort of. <laughs> Two, sort of, one. Um, there is, at my workplace, when something funky around violence goes on, I usually somehow get involved with Pulled it. In, right, uh-huh. Right. So, um, and that's good. That, mm -hmm. You know, I'm happy about that. So there was a situation with a really good worker um, at the place that I work, and, but her, her, her boyfriend, husband, whatever, would drive her to work and sit in the parking lot, and, you know, she was in the hospital repeatedly, and, and finally the only place safe she felt was when she walked into that building. Wow. So what do you do with that um, incident when somebody is, if they walk back out, they're walking right back into wow. danger, right. but you can't spend the night right. at your workplace. Right. So fortunately, having really good resources in our community and being able to get in touch with resources so that there were next steps that could be taken right then yes. made it so much easier for her, right. where I'm not sure that everybody has that. And the more times you refer someone to refer someone to refer someone, the likelihood of them getting that help diminishes. Right, right. I can see that. So that's one. And I think... May um, I ask you a question yes, on you this? Um, so 
were people aware? Had she shared at work that this was happening, or was this your no, wasn't mine. knowing your knowing what, your gut? No, I didn't know. I okay. didn't know her. I was okay. called. She was in another building. Okay. Um, they just called me over and said this is going on, and put me in a room and shut the door, and I went, okay, right, right. 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 <laughs> so here we right. go. Um, supervisor knew a couple friend, couple friends knew, but. It, it was very messy, and it was, there was lots of violence all so around that family. I'll share with you that OSHA has now pulled into some of their verbiage and some of their guidelines that had that person in that car brought violence to the workplace, there is an argument that the workplace can be responsible because they knew, that supervisor knew, and that's why we feel another reason for wow. PAVE to come in and speak with organizations and corporations that, you know what, if you're privy to these, to the, you need a plan on once you start hearing this information. What is your plan? Right. Beyond, yes. here's the identification of this person. Don't let them in the building. Yes. Right? I mean, you need a plan. Yep. That is um, pretty intense. Yeah. And that has a lot of ramifications. Yeah, I mean, and and this is already in the ocean, starting to appear in OSHA guidelines and statements that they're making. That well, uh, if a a boss or supervisor is privy to this information and there there isn't a plan, or you don't take certain steps to protect your your the workplace, then in a sense, shame on you. Well, that's gonna that's gonna wake a lot of people up. Yeah. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. In a good way. It's very complicated, though. Right. What did you know? When did you know it? And what do you do? Right. right? How right. do you right. How do you put that into protocol or policy? Well, I mean, for me, I would, and, and again, these are things that PAVE welcomes working through. Mm -hmm. We want to establish a best practice with corporate America, with corporations worldwide, is what is that best practice? What's working for you? I would be curious to see how you guys handled that and did a type of protocol come out of that if it did i'd love to hear it i i would love to hear that too <laughs> i'm not sure that it that it did um i mean and again some of your some of best practices in this field come from informal procedures right. that then eventually get reflected on and go well that worked why don't we right. do that and the danger of making it a policy right. is people don't understand what that means to, to implement. Right. Because it's, it's a policy, but the protocol is the human interaction. Right. You're going to talk to someone. How many someones is that? Right. You know, does it have to yeah. be the head of HR? Could it be somebody else's supervisor? Could it be a coworker? Right. Like, yeah. how loose or human is right. the protocol? I think creating an atmosphere where that person, that co-worker of yours that came into and the safest place for them was your office, is creating an atmosphere where they felt they could talk to someone. Right. So that's the askable workplace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the <clears throat> workplace that looks at people as not widgets. Right. And that's the workplace that recognizes difference. Right. And, you yeah. know, I mean, it's all about seeing people as people and not seeing them just as categories. Right, right. And I think it's, that's very hard in a lot of workplaces. Yeah, um, I agree. Because we, ha we have to do a task. That's what we're there for. We've got to do our work. Right. I agree. 
So you said you had another one, if you'd like to share it with us. If not, I, I will go remember. on to my next question. Go on question. to the next one, because I now don't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. All right. I so remember. have you ever uh, witnessed or experienced a drop in productivity at work because of a violent event? And when I say violent event, it can be from microaggression to full-blown um, physical altercation or assault. Uh, it's is a little weird, but somebody drove a car mm -hmm. into the building. Okay. Now, it was at night, so people weren't there. But the ripple of the fact that people would drive cars into a social service organization was an incredible tizzy. Not only the wall was down and the building was destroyed, but it's also And thinking, those dominoes kept falling, right? Yeah. People were going, well, uh, what are we doing? What if I had been here? What if it had been at noon? What if it had been at 8 o'clock? What if it had been when our seniors were here? So all of that was, I would say, productivity in terms of task was choppy and productivity in terms of thinking about what if and trying to yeah. get people to pay attention that there's more risk here than you think there right. is. Um, so the productivity was about people finding their voice mm. because something so off the wall happened. Right. Um, yeah. mean, who expects some, a car to come driving through your... Yeah. It, but my gut tells me is people don't acknowledge that that may impact productivity oh. for the next couple of weeks or the next year. Or you may lose an employee that you invested thousands of dollars to train because they no longer feel safe there. Well, we had a situation where um, there was an employee who was assaulted doing part of their job, and they happened to have a license to carry. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of productivity loss, um, not productivity loss, but routes rearranged, things redone, because what do you do if a, if a staff member shoots somebody? Yeah. Um, in self-defense, nobody was, it was fine, right. but it still is... A violent event. A violent yeah. event that happened on the job. Right. And mm. that was, that was yeah. crazy yeah. how the repercussions from that um, changed how people assigned routes and did some other things. It was really quite something. And I think we just need to acknowledge that. I don't think we're acknowledging that violent events can impact how productive we are and how we interact with, again, being the best husband, being the best wife, being the best boss. That impacts us. Totally. So. On top of COVID, which is a violent <laughs> event in and of itself, yes, yes. Um, we have, we don't have we don't have our resiliency bank filled right. back up yet right. at this time. I think we're still looking for like, what is my normal? What is my, how can we? And people who are planners are like, they can't plan because right. we don't know what's going to happen. And I think that kind of hesitancy and not knowing gives people a lot of anxiety. And you combine it with a workplace that doesn't talk about stuff that people know is going on. Right. You have more anxiety and, you know, People just go in and go like this. Yeah. And that's not a productive or healthy workplace. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we're on to my last question, my wild card. Oh, gosh, okay. yes. So if you could convince one person, if you had the audience of one person, 
that could move our efforts forward, who would it be and why? It would be high school seniors. Wow. Because they, at this moment, have such an experience. First of all, they're native with the technology. Right. So communicating is like this to them. They have experienced life pre-COVID. They have right. life with COVID. They're going through post-COVID. They've also witnessed an amazing amount of violence hmm. um, in our right. world in the last couple years as it gets more. And they are uniquely poised to take that experience and use their voice to do something different. Because they're not all going to go to college. They're going to go into a workplace. They're going to go into a trade. They're going to go somewhere. We need to help them use that understanding and their experience to change the worlds they're going to enter. And listen to them. And listen to them. Right. Yeah. Listen Listen to to them them. and move their ideas forward. All you have to do is talk to a 16-year-old for 20 minutes. You will realize you know nothing. (laughs) Right? But they know a lot of things. (laughs) Right. Right. So that's really what I think. I do think high school seniors are the future of the world. You know, that reminds me. I was uh, my my son had his first solo show. He's an artist, and he had his first solo show, and we were watching him during the artist talk. And then at some point, he was talking about some artwork that the images that he drew that he he's uh, a printmaker uh, were of a, a volunteering vacation in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he said after he visited Guatemala, he started doing some research on why Guatemala has some of the issues that it has, and he realized this. He starts talking about the CIA in Guatemala and <laughs> this and that, and I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, what, when did William learn all about this? But so when you say, if you sit with a 16-year-old for, you know, 20 minutes, you're just like, wow, okay, I know nothing, exactly. I know nothing. So um, I can definitely appreciate that. Well, Julie, this was fantastic. Thank you, Arlene. Uh, I'm so uh, honored to call you my friend, and I'm so proud of the work work that you are doing, and I look forward to PAVE and Impact uh, Ohio uh, doing great things together. Can't um, wait. And I appreciate the work that you're doing with the association. I know that that is also on your your, um, plate, trying to create an organization where ESD professionals and bringing other people into the fold as well and giving them a sense of community there. It's, so. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to go in from thinking of things as women's work and not valued hmm. by most people right? to a place where you go, no, this is a real job. Right. I mean, this is a real profession. You have to know stuff. Right. I mean, you just don't come off the street and teach people to bang people on the head. Right. Like there right. is pedagogy to it. There's theory to it. There's science to what PAVE is doing. There's science to looking at data and figuring out how does this happen? How, is this what we want to have happen? Right, right. So if not, let's, how do we change it? And I think that that is actually the, one of the coolest things to um, have the whole field be seen as professionals. Right. Well... They have the right person in the right place, so I'm very proud of you there. Thank you. Uh, and, um, well, I mean, this concludes uh, this edition of Disrupting the Dominoes. And as I said earlier, this is a person who's been holding those dominoes from falling for a very long time. I'm very, very proud to know her and call her my friend. So thank you, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you.